2: All right, Rod, it is the bye week for the 49ers. The football slate was pretty terrible today, too. I don't know how many people oh. who are, who who are, you know, 49er fans decided to sit there and watch some of these games. But in the background, I have uh, the Cardinals and the Seahawks. Seahawks just took a 10-point lead, uh, and uh, the Cardinals are doing very Cardinal-like stuff with less than two minutes left in that game. So if you... Uh, you know, if you're hanging out with us, I'll I'll keep you in the loop on that game and maybe maybe switch back to that Rams Bucks game. But holy cow, that was a bad one. Oh man. Um, so what we are going to do here today, since we don't have a game to recap, and you know, that's kind of what we do on this show, is we recap the game that had just happened, is we're gonna do a mid-season review. We're gonna look at the rest of the schedule and uh our Facebook group didn't actually know I was priming them for content, but I asked some questions. What people thought the record would be at the end of the season and and also what they thought were the biggest surprises and the biggest disappointments of the season. So we'll use those answers to kind of drive our conversation here. So Facebook group members, thank you very much for the uh, the content there. So let's start with... The record. What is going to be the record for the Fort at the end of the season? I have the schedule here, and we'll look at that here in a second. But currently, Niners are four and four. They uh, we've talked about two games that were just you know pretty just poor ways to lose, uh, including that opener against teams that the Fort should beat. Uh, but four and four is actually kind of okay, I think. Uh, If you sort of look towards uh, how the NFL works these days with the wild card and with, you know, Seattle's clearly going to win this game. So they're going to go up to they're going to move up to six and three. So they will be two and a half games ahead of the Niners at this point. So the Niners will have some uh, some ground to gain because uh, I think the easiest step to the playoffs is, as we talked about last week, is winning that division. But what was your guess? For the record at the end of the season, see, here's the thing for me I said
1: 10 and seven, okay, so that means six and three. But when I go and go game by game, I have a hard time finding three losses. Interesting, so I mean,
2: okay, well, and we'll go, we'll go game by game because I have the schedule and I'll pull it up. I think ten and seven is likely. I I think that's that will get them into the into the tournament. Uh, We had some people say eleven and six in 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 the uh, Facebook group. We also had uh, one person I think say nine and eight. And then if you go nine and eight, it's getting a little murkier as far as making the playoffs here. So let's pull up the schedule and we we can go through the rest of the games. Let's see if we can find the three losses here. So week 10 is against the chargers and that game is at home. That game is on Sunday night. So that will be next, uh, next weekend. And and you and I will be back after that game. That is a winnable game for sure, especially because you're at home and the chargers are so inconsistent. Um, You know, they're poorly coached, I guess I I would also say they seem to uh, they seem to have some winnable games that they that they don't take care of. Uh, They are currently uh, as the standings are right now. They are five and three. So better record than the Niners, but they also have a minus 22 net points. So uh that that could be a little bit of a of a paper tiger there but i'm assuming that is on your win yeah
1: and i i that was my morning game today i i sat through that nonsense um and they they we match up well against them um we can you can run the ball they will allow you to if you can if we can stop just not turn the ball over have penalties they're there to be had in terms of sustained drives and running the ball all the things that we do well they seem to do poorly so i i just i just think that is
2: a winnable game for sure and they beat the falcons who beat us by three points yeah yeah that's true but still <laughs>
1: <laughs> Atlanta just isn't very good. Um and Mariota played okay, but you know they they're just kind of three yards in a cloud of dust and they don't really, you know, they've got Drake London and Pitts who look like they're good players, but they just don't seem like they want to throw them the ball.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and and it's, they got Patterson back today. He he's been yeah, on IR he, for a yeah, few for a few weeks there.
1: He looked really good. Boy,
2: he's a big dude. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah. But yeah. So yeah, I think that's a win. All right, and then the next game is the one that you'll be going to, and I think we're, we're to the point where Niners swept the Rams. They have one win against Seattle, and in order for this to happen, to where they have a shot here, I think they got to sweep the Cardinals as well. So this game is in Mexico City, technically a road game for the Niners, but also a road game for the Cardinals. I would imagine there's going to be more Niner fans in in that stadium, but I don't know for sure. But that is a game where they they should, if we're looking at sort of statement wins, uh, beating a struggling cards team should be part of that and, and beating them decisively. Uh, the Cardinals, as, as we're talking about, they're losing to Seattle. They just lost th- that game. So they drop. To uh, three and six. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're uh, their net points is, is in the, in the minus 30. So that should be uh, another one on your win list. Yes. Yeah.
1: And they just seem like a mess. Um, I, I was listening to the game or watching the game and they were talking about how they they've got three replacement offensive linemen. Kyler seems to be cussing everybody out every <laughs> three plays and, And um, they just, I don't know how long Kingsbury can continue there. I just, I I think that, um, again, this is one of those layups that, um, you know, but we missed several layups earlier this year. So um, that is, that's always a concern, but I think that's another team that we should handle pretty
2: easily. And, and uh, I just turned it to Rams Bucks. Not that you know the, the the Rams don't look great here, but you know, talk about a a quarterback who is frustrated. Uh, Rams are up seven. No, they're up four. And Tom Brady in the end zone has a surefire touchdown pass. I, I couldn't tell who the receiver was, but he hits the receiver literally in the face mask, and <laughs> the ball the balls dropped, and then. On uh, third and goal, he's got another shot and uh, good, good defensive play by, by by the Rams, but still should have been caught by who? I think it was the tight end. So Brady's gonna be frustrated. Uh, okay, so after he's got that, fifty-one pass attempts already. My God, and they got nine points. Oh, uh, and, and so then week twelve. This game to me uh, a little bit harder, um, but it is at home. The Saints have been playing some interesting football. Uh, They are not, uh, they they are uh, uh, record-wise, not great in in record-wise, but all of their games have been really close. They've been playing some close football. uh, And and so record-wise, you would think, okay, Niners should win that game. But I think that one is a a sneaky sort of, uh, you know, maybe one of those games that that earlier in the season we talked about where they they probably should have won and maybe didn't, but, uh I don't know. I think they're a better football team than the Saints, but that's one where the Saints seem to be able to stick around these games.
1: Yeah. Um, where is that? Is that a road game? That is at home. Okay. Well, yeah. Um uh, they they're frisky. So that that's one that um, you know, coming off that game in Mexico City, it's I mean, it's a Monday night, so it's a short week. Um, that could be that could be that could be one. That could be one.
2: Uh, the the they should have uh, Alex Smith and Joe Staley at that game. Yeah, definitely. That'll yeah, be fun. <laughs> All right. So after that, Niners. Have... We're gonna have J-
1: Jimmy's gonna run an end around.
2: 30 yards. <laughs> there we go. There you go. Uh, another another game that is probably gonna be pretty tough. The Dolphins at home, Week 13. Mike McDaniel, the return. Uh, and the Dolphins, you know, the Dolphins are playing good football. They're, they're not, they may be a little bit uh, uh, of a paper tiger when it comes to uh, how good they are, because, you know, they they give up a lot of points and and they're yeah. eking out some of these games, but they are mm-hmm. six and three. That could be a little bit of a, you know, let, let's see how how true, what, what kind of team they are from from truth. And, and look, the 49ers don't want to lose to the Dolphins. They want to have the, you know their pick to be the worst pick possible for the for the Dolphins because you know the Dolphins have all these picks. Uh, th- is that the one that they traded for Chubb? Did they trade the Niners pick? Um, yes. So now that's the Broncos pick. Yeah. So, uh, but good game. You, you know, McDaniel's going to be up for it. But same with Kyle, right? Like there could be a nice little, uh, who knows who best there with with the, the schemes and such.
1: Kyle seems to do well against his former assistants, Ask McVay and Lafleur.
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, and then Week 14 against this really uh, frustrating Bucks team, and and they're about to lose this game uh, to the Rams here. Uh, Niners should win that game. Tom Brady homecoming, back to the Bay Area. But I'm calling that one like that one's got to be a win for for the Niners there because the the Bucks are just really bad right now. You know, will the Bucks still even be? Um,
1: will they have thrown in the towel by then? That's um, where where are they now? Since with this loss, they are. They'll be
2: three and six, right? Ooh. Three and six. Yeah,
1: that um, that's rough. That that might be, you know, with all that's going on and swirling around there, that might be a, a team that is um has has kind of mailed it in by then, you know. We we can't count on that, but um, yeah, I think that should
2: be a win as well. Maybe uh, maybe Jed will get get a box for Giselle. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And then, the, like the big game that you sort of circle on the schedule is Week 15 at Seattle, historically a hard place for the Niners to play, and that is on. Thursday night. So there's your Amazon prime game. If you are outside of the Bay area uh, Thursday night against the Hawks and you know, the Hawks just won another game. Um, They are a much better team than anybody could have possibly predicted them to be Pete Carroll. His rah, rah stuff is, is working terrifically. They're six and three. And uh, you know, the net the nets the, the net uh points is not as good as the as the Niners are, but mm-hmm. still six and three, you're out in the lead, and it's really your division to lose at this point.
1: Well, I mean, I'll have to I'll take the L on this one because I thought they were gonna be, you know, in the mix for a top three draft pick. And clearly, I mean, we're halfway through now, and they're I guess they're not gonna go away. So, I mean for what is you know, but I've I've watched them several times and I, I have I still don't walk away like super impressed, but I mean they win. Gino's playing well, Kenneth Walker Kenneth looks like Walker. He's for real. And then those receivers are legit. Metcalf yeah. and Lockett are legitimate top of the league type receivers. So I mean, they don't look like they're going away. So you're right. Um we're gonna have to deal with them
2: and then last three games uh, two home games and a road game uh, against the commanders who i think are probably a, a little bit better than than people thought they are uh, w- record wise they're they're only uh, 4 and 5 uh, but you know they they've been playing a, l- a little closer than i think some of these uh, teams thought that that, th- that they would play but still that has to be a w for the 49ers if they're going to you know if they're going to do what we think they're that they're going to do mm-hmm. at the Raiders, the Raiders, the poor Raiders fans. Well, that's going to be in, a home game. I'm telling you that right now. They're not We're, in Oak, they're not in Oakland anymore, so I'm not yeah. as, I don't feel as bad. But you know there are still long time mm-hmm. Raiders fans who aren't going to give up on them. But two and six, man, yeah. who yeah. like again the you know the net points, which is what I like to to use to really see if the team's good or bad. They're in these close games. But man, did they just lose to Jacksonville today? Yeah. yeah, that's tough. And then the last game of the season at home against the Cardinals, and again, uh, if the Niners are who we think they are, they got to beat up on a, on a team like the Cardinals. So see, we came up with like one loss. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and and you know, just to just to go back to this, I, I think the tough games. Now we'll see what what kind of Niners team comes out against the Chargers. Because the Chargers are not a bad team. The Chargers are a an a, a decent team who probably should even be a little bit better than they are. The, the the Saints game scares me. The Dolphins game scares me. The Seahawks game scares me. So that's three that scare me. The others are, are kind of gimmies at this point, though. And, and it really goes back to you know the the consistency of their play which we're going to get into because uh when we go through the disappointments and and everything that like the the lack of consistency game to game from them has been a little frustrating to watch like how they could not get up uh for certain games uh and and then just be like killing the rams and then not not being able to you know to play strong football against some other teams so uh let's talk about the Let's go biggest biggest disappointment so far. And so I asked this question to our group. And not surprisingly in any way, I think the biggest disappointment of the season is the fact that Trey Lance has not been able to get on the field. He's not been able to uh, take advantage of... um, a lost year of development, right? As QB won, they turned the team over to him. There's going to be a little bit more, uh, I guess, uh, the, the offense is, is looked at to be a little bit more dynamic. The run pass, the making you know, the defense watch for uh, another player, all of that stuff that we were so much looking forward to uh, didn't happen. But I think even more importantly... Uh, this young guy has now missed essentially two seasons of football, and you know it's kind of it's funny because we're both Warriors fans. It's like this James Wiseman thing. Yep, absolutely. And you're just like, man, you know, how do you get the reps and how do you get ready? You're going to be a third third season guy and really only have the reps uh, of a rookie, and so that's something to worry about for, for Lance. But as far as disappointment is concerned, you know, this got to be number one, right? Well. Shout out to Robert Ramos, who was the first person in the group to mention
1: Trey, because I had, um, I guess I had a mental block because I had
2: completely—I <laughs> mean, it I, was the first week, like the first half yeah, of this, you know, but um, I was game of the season or whatever.
1: I was like, I, I had straight PST, PST <laughs> PTSD over that, so I had <laughs> completely forgotten that one. So when he mentioned that, I so obviously that is number one and then i guess disappointment um as i was thinking about that when you put it in the group i, I guess it when you talk about expectations yeah um i guess for me it would be kin law because you know we had been told that this is the healthiest that he yes. had been and you know i have been saying all along that what people what's not talked about enough is how poor medical treatment and strength and conditioning is at the collegiate level Mm -hmm. so i'm not shocked at all when a player comes in and hat you know comes in with a checkered um medical pass because There's no telling it varies so greatly down there as to what kind of um, care um, and development they're getting. So once you get them into a pro situation with good medical and everything, that's when you can tell. And so now this season, this off season, he was supposed to be the healthiest ever. So yep. now it's like what we got, you know, five, 600 snaps, seven five six seven hundred snaps at least. And then we can start talking about what we've got and we haven't got it. Um, so that is disappointing, but you know, it's, it's funny. I was talking to somebody else this week about the same thing. And it's funny how, perception drives the narrative in that, you know, w- there's a lot of disappointment with um Kinlaw and I guess rightfully yeah. so, because he hasn't been out there. It's before. also because
2: of who he replaced, right?
1: That's true. That's true. Which I mean is fair or not. That's, you know, that's not his fault. No, but um, you know, that that's part of it, but you know, he seems to, to get a lot of negative flack in amongst the fan base due to his missed time, that, like, for example, um, Elijah Mitchell, for example,
2: yeah,
1: um, Elijah Mitchell has missed 48 percent of the edge of his eligible games, and Ken Law is at 51. But the perception between the two amongst the fan base is completely different. Yes. I I rarely hear anybody giving Elijah Mitchell any stuff about his, his missed games, but Ken law is like, he's a bust because of the missed games. I, you know, again, I'm not, you know, I'm not one to label people, but I, 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 it frustrates me that people are so quick to want to label these people anything I mean yeah. let's just let it play out let's see maybe maybe he is I, I I don't know I know he's talented yep I know he hasn't been on the field those two things are true I'd like to get a good stretch of games of him being out there for us to know for sure if he what he is so but he definitely qualifies for me as most disappointing then you got Danny Gray is on the list as well but you Know we, if you look back to like IU, we could see a pattern with Kyle and his receivers. <laughs> his receivers. So, so, I, I, so like I say, that's why I say expectations drive the narrative because I don't know how much we really thought Danny Gray was going to see the field this, you know, as a rookie. Um, knowing that you know, as IU, you've heard IU and Debo and Jennings all say that if you don't have your assignments on point and if you're not blocking you're not going to see the field and you're not going to see the ball. Um so I don't know how much you can expect from a rookie receiver in this system. Yeah.
2: So that just uh, Shelvin uh, posted in in a comment here that Brady just beat the Rams and I was I kind of had the what? game on in, in in the side of uh in the corner and I saw the Rams open up. They ran a little, I think they ran a little jet sweep with cup and then he slid. And then I don't know what happened after that. Cause you and I were talking and all of a sudden I saw Brady had the ball in the red zone and he threw a pass that uh Rams got called for PI. And then he, he just won the, he just threw a touchdown pass. Oh. <laughs> the the game. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so uh, yeah. So, okay. So here's the Danny gray thing for me. And he is on this list uh that, that that we have here for for uh disappointments. Um the 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 way that we have been sold as fans is that Kyle is, is looking for opportunities to put guys in, in, in places and be creative. And and so you would think like, okay, Danny Gray is fast as all hell. How about let's just go Ronaldo Nehemiah with him and let's just run him deep a couple of times, even if the idea is not to throw the football to him just to give the defense the the thought that, okay, like we got to pay attention to this guy. And then, you know, and then, you know, maybe, maybe Jimmy does, does throw one to, to draw the, the defense a little bit, but you know, the other, the thing about it is, I just think that other teams don't see Jimmy as that guy, Mm-mm. so maybe maybe that doesn't even work on that end. But could you get him for a jet sweep? Could you get him on a wide receiver screen? Stuff like that, where you know you would think, wow, you know Kyle can can be so creative and he can get these guys out in spaces and, and make plays, but at the same time, he doesn't trust these guys to perform at the level he expects them to. Uh, when they're in the game, and it seems like that stems from practice, right? It seems like mm-hmm. if he doesn't believe you had a good week of practice or that you're picking things up enough, he's just flat out not even gonna let you. Like, that's a message to him, which it kind of hurts the team in a sense, but that's the way he coaches, and mm-hmm. you know, he's not letting these guys get away with uh practice or whatever. You know, they have these all the technology, and what was the thing about IU prior to uh, last season was. He wasn't running his routes hard enough in practice, and they could tell because they have the, the the miles per hour on him. And so it's stuff like that. But as a fan, you're like, I don't care about that. I just want to see this guy. Run. Like, we've been sold on the idea that this is the fastest guy on the team, We and we can't see that. So that's kind of a little bit of disconnect between the fan and the actual team being coached on the field. I think the Trey injury hurt
1: him and Ray Ray McLeod a lot in terms of what I I know for a fact from based on what we saw in camp with those guys and Trey, um, they, you know, they they got a lot of action deep. And, um, you know, it seemed like, you know, if there was one thing that Trey really was comfortable doing is that is throwing the ball deep to those guys. And those guys were the ones who were out there going and getting it. And I can imagine that when he gets hurt, Kyle just kind of balls all that up and throw, throws it in the trash and, uh, or files it to the back of his folder for next year. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that, I, I think that, um, I think you're right. I think you're, you're 100% right. These of uh, these
2: next two are really interesting to me. Okay, so but even before that, there's there's defensive line depth because of the injuries. Now mm-hmm. that that's a tough one because you know the the depth is, is I don't I don't know if the defensive line has really been the problem Mm-mm. with this team, uh, especially if you're putting in you know third and fourth and fifth guys. I think that they've held up. There's been a couple of games where the Niners offense hasn't played well enough to win. And, and, you know, we sort of expected the defense to, to take over and and it didn't happen. Uh, And one of the games that you, you keep mentioning is that Falcons game where they had like seven starters missing. Right. And, and that, that I can see that being uh, pointing to that, but the next two that you're talking about, poor special teams play and a general uh, lack of consistency. Uh, I actually wrote this uh, uh twice on accident, special teams play, especially after overhauling the unit. So from the special teams perspective, this one is interesting because uh, big money. Mitch is having a really good season. He really is. Uh, Robbie gold has, has missed, you know, he's 10 to 13. He's, he's been fine. I think where this, this kind of points to is, uh, I'm guessing Ray Ray in, kick returns I think because pump returns he's been he's been pretty decent as well and it's really just been kick returns and then giving up kick returns on the other side I guess that's where that that comes from but this I think this is still a much better special teams unit than last year
1: yes I I think so too um the again I I never want to be like the the apologist um, for the team, but you know I think the lack of consistency. I, you have to point to injuries to, you know, I mean that's got to be part of it, and you and then you, it kind of goes along part and parcel with what we were talking about with the defensive line depth. Is that you know they it is a deep unit. But when you start asking those depth pieces to play, you know, roles that aren't, that are outside of what, you know, that you, you know, you're not supposed I mean, Ridgeway is not supposed to be playing 70 snaps, Mm -hmm. you know, that. And if, when, when you get those guys, when you got Spence playing a lot of snaps, that's that's just not what they're there for. They're supposed to be there to, to, you know, to blow guys, to, to not, sorry about that that's that <laughs> how that, that didn't come out the way it, that didn't come out the way it was supposed to to give guys a rest yes not to be playing a lot of snaps so when yes. you you know I and that goes back to I think once armstead comes back things will be a lot better if he is anywhere near um his peak um that that has been a big and, and then Ken's too to a to to a lesser extent I because I think, you know, I had high expectations for him this yeah. season. Um I really expected him to come in and fill that DJ Jones role. And um he hasn't been obviously anywhere near that. And so that's a problem. But um yeah, that the lack of consistency. I think you can go part and parcel Tr- um Trent has been in and out of the lineup. We miss Nick for a couple games. We miss Debo for a couple games. I mean, it's just it, it's hard to. Um, and then you got the whole thing with the right guard, where you got those guys going in and out. It, it would be nice if we could just get a solid unit together for two or three games and kind of see where um, where that leaves us. And and maybe that's at you know maybe that's Pollyannish and you know. As the NFL, that you know, attrition is part of it, and injuries are part of it, and you just have to, you have to deal with that. And you, there's an expectation of being consistent in spite of that.
2: You know, it's funny just about this current NFL. Like, it is. Uh, there's going to be studies, I think, on kind of how the NFL works today. Uh You look at Rogers, like. That guy has aged five years since last year. They're two and six. And the two top teams, Philadelphia Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings, 8-0 and 7-1. The Bills lost to the Jets today. Robert Sala and his crew. Um the, the Chiefs are, are five and two, The they play the, the Sunday night game. But it, it's just There, the teams, the good teams, are going to be good, but it just feels like the way that the league works and the way that the rules work, they very much so. And maybe this is what Paul Tagliabue wanted back in the day, but parity. Everyone's eight and eight, right? Like essentially, Mm -hmm. you know, or at least the value of what an eight and eight team is like. So. And you, know you, into to further your point about the top two teams,
1: the Vikings, the Commanders gave them everything they wanted today. Yeah. Um. They, it, uh, it was, it was like a, a last second field goal to win that game. Um. So, I it that just further[s] your point that it's. You know the the margins, the margin for error is so. You get blowouts like the you know the Bengals and the um, Panthers today, but pretty much, man, every game halfway through the fourth quarter is a one score game.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yeah, that's just it's just part of it. I don't. They're even the best teams. Um, can get can be got. You know, as they say, on any given Sunday, the,
2: the bills just look like world beaters. Yeah, and, and and you know, two, they're they're six and two, they're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. But still, like you, it, it, there's there's the runaway team is is the Eagles, and some of that has to do with they just have a really really light schedule. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, all right, so sure. so the last one here, this one is, is an interesting one. Uh, Debo, not really getting the, you know, the, the, a lot of the plays that he has in the backfield, they seem to be very well scouted like this. This man is, does not have any room to breathe. It's almost like the other team knows that he's getting the ball, which they kind of knew it last year too. And they couldn't stop it. You know, you line this dude up in the backfield balls, probably coming to him and it was so, Dynamic last year, and this year he has r- rarely had any luck with, with any room to run uh, in those positions. But, you know, I, I, I would kind of push
1: back on that. That, that was re- a relatively late in the season situation where the offense, you know, basically, we ran it through Debo, you know, from you know for the last 5 games basically is when he put us on his back and just and carried us to the conference championship and this it was different this season it seemed like we came in with the thought that the whole thing was going to run through Debo and um it, it like you say it was it was being well scouted and i think that he's probably going to end up being the biggest beneficiary of the CMC trade yes is the fact that, that- too is the fact that, you know, now you're not going to be able – I'm not to say that the offense shouldn't be still centered around him. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that defenses won't be able to just key on him to stop him because, you know, you've got another um, viable – one one a one one a, and then it just that just having those two, just and then Mitchell back, and then it seems like the emergence of Ayuk, and then you're just gonna you still got Kittle kind of, is it, still a guy mm-hmm. that you can build a game plan around, and then it, it's they're, this team there are just so many weapons, and I, I that that's the reason why I'm just i'm really excited about the second half of the season and that if we can just get the o-line to be just stable i mean they don't have to be world beaters if they Mm can just going back and looking at it you know numerically they really haven't played awful burford has some real up and down performances and we've had, when you go back and look at it game by game, we've had some real unfortunate penalties at really, un, you know, inopportune times that set us back. And that, you know, it's death for us, you know, you know, second in 15 is, it's just death. I mean, we, we have to, you know, if we look forward to what we have to look forward to going for moving forward is we have to eliminate those penalties, um, especially the big ones, you know, 15 yarders and whatnot, because we just, we aren't built to overcome those. Um, so again, I'm just, I'm really excited as we move forward, if we could just get some consistency there on that offensive line, because we have so many weapons
2: and, Penalties are probably a little bit down because Greenlaw hasn't been playing. I'm just yeah, kidding. that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, all right, so let's talk about the surprises of the season so far. And I get—I mean, the first one's got to be trading for a game breaker like McCaffrey. Now, all of the people who study this stuff. They don't really think this is a strong trade for the 49ers because of what they gave up and the fact that Christian is uh often injured but also that Shanahan can kind of turn you know the these these backs who aren't very uh highly thought of in college and you know turn them into to big players um Mostert in is in Miami uh and who who's the guy before Mostert the speed guy Um Brita Breda. the cheetah. And, you know, you have guys like that who were not high draft picks Uh and putting them in this system and having them learn the system. They excelled. Now with Christian, they, this, this position at running back should now be on steroids because of how, how good of a player he is and out of the backfield, how good of a player he is. Cause that is what, we have not had uh in, in recent memory is just that that back out of the backfield to uh to to make plays and to be the bailout for Jimmy. so in that standpoint, for at least for this year, and who knows what the money's going to be like next year, I let you know Parag deal with the cap. I don't understand any of it. so th- what do you think about the prognosticators who say? you know this is really an a trade for carolina but more like a c trade for the 49ers
1: i i have definite feelings about that one i don't think that your ability to find and develop um undervalued players should limit should, should stop you from Acquiring stud players, if you can, I, I I just think that if 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 a player like Christian McCaffrey becomes available, you should do what you can to go get him, and not worry about. Well, I have the ability to draft seven seventh rounders and have them be, you know. Good players that that you, you get a Christian McCaffrey if you can. Um, and then I often mention what Brian Windhorst says. If that, if Christian McCaffrey, if we win a Super Bowl because of Christian McCaffrey, it, then it doesn't matter what we gave up to get him. It's a good trade. Um, because you know, is, an, like, is Anthony
2: Davis going to the Lakers all over again?
1: Yeah, I mean, you just you you do that, and then you talk about with the Rams and what they're dealing with now and their lack of depth. Well, they got a championship, so yeah, F them picks for yeah, if, <laughs> if, if, you know if you know what what you don't want is to mortgage the future and then come up empty. But if if you get a trophy, then if we get six. Behind this, then that's fine. I'm good. Yes. I'm good with. Plus, um, I, I think you really do have to put his injury. I I that it 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 makes a difference to me that he was touching the ball. He had fifty two percent of Carolina's touches. I I don't think that that is for nothing when you start talking about his injury history i mean i i don't think you look at the guys who have that kind of usage like a derrick henry him you you just it's hard to hold up and he's not even built like derrick henry he's a he's a completely different type of player so to give him that type of usage him breaking down is not a a shock or a surprise to me and i don't think he'll be used that way here i know he's 26 and that's you know that's up there for a running back at the end of this contract he'll be 29 how many 29 year old running backs but the thing of it is in this system it is not like he's just going to be lining up in an i formation and running dives i mean you can slot put him out in the slot you can flex him out he's going to be he's not going to have the normal usage of a normal RB one, I don't think, especially when you have when you talk about the ability for us to develop these other younger running backs, allows you the opportunity to use Christian McCaffrey more as a football player and not as your bell cow. So I'm I'm good with it. I I, I think especially for this season and with the quarterback we have, I think his skills that um, helps Jimmy a lot. I, you can, you've seen in the past two games, having him there in a position to be Jimmy's safety valve is something that, um, is you know, it, it's not lost on me that Jimmy, this, you know, he's had two of his better performances, you know, as a 49er in these past two weeks. And I, I don't think that the, 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 those things are, there's, I don't believe that there's not a correlation. And I don't think that it's anything that happened, especially last week, is unsustainable. I think, I think moving forward, I'm not, am I expecting Jimmy to be that efficient for the rest of the season? No. But I think we can get some version of that every week.
2: All right, you had uh, on, on your list of surprises uh, the play of one uh, Sammy Womack Jr. here. Wow. Explain. Yeah, I mean, I
1: had done a study last year on draft picks, defensive backs specifically, because we had our second round pick, and everybody wanted a corner. So I looked into how many... Defensive backs, I broadened it. You know, play, my metric was 400 snaps and above a 60 um, PFF grade. And it was like 3%. It just doesn't happen for a defensive back to come in and contribute immediately in the NFL. And this dude is playing at a 70 grade and playing, he's playing starter snaps. It, it's just, it's unheard of for a fifth-round defensive back to do that. And it, it's just, and and with with Eman going out, it's needed. We, it's not like this was a luxury. We really have needed Womack to come. We we needed his production.
2: Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, I was trying to think of a of a Bobby Wilmack pun, but I couldn't. <laughs> it by the time you were finished, uh, okay. So another one, Aaron Banks, specifically, and the pass pro of the interior offensive line, as a big surprise, and and this is something that you are watching very closely. You send us the grades in our in our mm-hmm. group pretty much every week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, he had I and I don't have him in
1: front of me, but I don't think he's given up a pressure this season. Which is, you know, again, that was, you know, right at the top of my list in terms of things coming into the season. Question, big question mark, is you know he was basically a rookie along with Burford. He didn't play, he didn't play any snaps last year. So, yeah, for him to be um, as stout as he is, particularly um, in pass protection has been a revelation because those guys, you know, when you look at them and you watch them, both him and Burford, um, and they are monsters in the run game. (laughs) When they get moved, they're just big dudes. And when they get to moving forward, they can just destroy guys. But, you know, they, you know, pass protection for us, you know, throughout camp and early in the season was a problem. We were, we were just getting our ass kicked um, all through, you know, our defensive line was killing our offensive line um, in the pre, you know, in camp. And he was, you know, right there, you know, it wasn't like he was like the Sterling, you know, Trent was, but Trent wasn't really even out there (laughs) in the, um, in camp. But, you know, so, he was getting his ass kicked along with everybody else. So for him to show up, um, the way he has has really been a revelation. Uh, okay,
2: so then we also have uh, Hufonga, which especially in the in the early part of the season, oh, he was making s- some big plays, and he's always around the football. And you know, for somebody who is the the one thing about him out of college was about the speed. He just is a nose for the ball. He knows where, where things are going. Uh, he may not make every play, but the fact that he's around the football, you know, means that he, he's getting there before everybody else. And and that's, that's positive.
1: And, and he was supposed to be a liability in pass coverage. He was supposed to be somebody that defenses were going to isolate and try to get him, one-on-one with their slots and you know to try to pick on but that you know eight games in that has not been the case he is not i'm not saying you know he's not whoever you know he's not rob woodson covering guys but you know he has not he hasn't been a liability um and when you couple that with the fact that he's you know He's, you know, uh, he's even playing that way. And then when you add to the fact that he's definitely a plus, plus, plus when you can get him playing forward and um, he's an excellent blitzer, Um, he just he will blow up. A run blitz um if you if you allow him running the alley is one of the coolest things in professional football to me <laughs> it's when he gets ahead of steam and he is just coming downhill something is getting destroyed so I mean, him, that, him
2: and warner like uh, on yeah. the same field together is is really fun to watch
1: yeah definitely so definitely he and and that for to him be playing at that level definitely is one of the biggest surprises. Of
2: the season, and then the last one I added this just because we've been talking about this. And when when you draft a wide receiver, again, this goes back to Shanahan's rep, right? Like Shanahan's rep w- w- with offense, and oh, you know he 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 saw something in Ayuk. Uh, you know, I think they 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 may have drafted him uh, a, a hair above where other teams had him, and so you're like, okay, this is Kyle's guy, and Ayuk has shown. Really good glimpses at times, and then other times, you know, he's got two catches for 15 yards, and, and it's all Debo. With Debo not really being Debo yet, Ayuka's actually stepped up and he's got really good rhythm with Jimmy. They're connecting on, on third downs. You know, we mentioned the last game, the game against the Rams, where they were so in rhythm. That he was putting it on Ayuk's hip, and Ayuk was just running without even uh, skipping a beat. He just everything's in stride, and that's not, you know, you wouldn't say that's something that Jimmy does with a lot of receivers, right? That's not Jimmy's game. Uh, you know, that's more of like a, a a Brady thing or or whatever. But the the fact that those guys seem so comfortable with each other this year. It is really, really cool to see, finally, because I think we all saw sort of like, okay, when is Ayuk going to level up? And it seems like this season he's he's doing that. He is. I mean, for our offense, you know, because
1: it's going to be tough to put up Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson-type numbers in this offense because that's, you know, We've all said, if we're throwing it 40 times a game, there's something that's gone terribly wrong. But in our offense, man, he has really stepped up and he is legit 1A. I I think at this point, I feel comfortable saying that, that obviously Debo, I believe even with CMC, Debo is still our best offensive player. But I think that, Ayuk is more than a wide receiver too at this point. I, I don't know how you want to categorize it, but I, I think that he is clearly a plus player in this offense. He he has developed to that point and you know, he's making himself some money this um this season. He he's going to get paid, I think he's going to get paid in the off season. He
2: he has really stepped up so the Niners are running about 60 plays a game and uh 212 so that we divide that by 8 uh 26 and a half of those are uh are running running plays it looks like. So you know the the fact that they Jimmy has Actually, pretty good stats, but he's also only thrown you know two hundred and ten times or, or or whatever it is uh mm-hmm. versus some of these other guys throw so much more than he does, so yeah, that's just based on what the offense does and and how they uh you know how Shanahan wants to win football games or at least how he believes his team should win football games, which is you know run first and mm-hmm. here's a question we mentioned Mitchell we've been waiting for Mitchell. You know, he, he started the season out and we're like, oh, my gosh, this guy, I think it's like 70 yards, on mm-hmm. um, like 10 carries in the first game. And then he got, and then we never, never saw him again. He got hurt. How how do, do you think knowing that he came into the season, knowing that he was a one mm-hmm. gets hurt, steps back. Now he's playing behind a, a top flight player. Do you think he's gonna have any adjustment with that? I mean, he they played he played uh he didn't he didn't get all the snaps last year until sort of towards the end. So he's not it's not like he's came in as a starter, but do you think that affects the way that that he's gonna play, having to play second fiddle to to CMC?
1: Well, one would hope that rather than take it as a negative, it um spurs him to when he you know to make the most of his touches and also i was very intrigued by you know they ran quite a few um snaps with wilson and cmc in the backfield together so that is something that would be interesting to see with um with him and mitchell and but the 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 flexibility and the versatility that somebody like CMC gives you, it allows you to still allow Mitchell to get RB one snaps and have Mitchell, I mean, and have CMC kind of be fullback or slot or you know just just football player. Just let him get out there and just. You know, put him in position to make plays and that, you know, say what you want about Kyle. That's something he's always done well. Mm-hmm. He did it well when Kittle was our best offensive option. He wasn't confined to being, you know, I've never seen a tight end line. I don't, the league really hadn't seen a tight end lineup as much as, as X as um, Kittle did in 19. Um, Debo last year and what, you know, obviously that was kind of unprecedented. A, a wide receiver one getting those kind of snaps out of the backfield. So Kyle has a track record of putting guys in position to make plays. So I'm just, I'm really excited to see how he's able to, you know, get all these guys touches because it's not wrong to think that it, it wouldn't be the first team that has had problems in, in many sports where there's just not enough balls for every, if everybody's not, touching the ball they don't you know have for everybody everybody's not unselfish because you know there is a monetary component to that if i'm not getting touches you know that affects my money
2: yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) especially for a running back who often these guys don't even really get second deals right um so you know here's what here's what i like about it though cmc uh he's already shown an in, inability to be patient. And, and we know that, you know, in this offense, a, a guy like Trey Sermon, who, uh, danced a little bit and, and was okay. impatient, was not good in this system. And so CMC's already shown, okay, the, the game against the Rams, he, he was really good. Uh, I like the idea that when we take him off the field, you're not really going to miss a beat in the run game. You'll you'll miss a beat a little bit in in the pass game mm-hmm. uh, on a play where Mitchell is in instead of Christian, but that's probably not going to be a lot. But when it comes to the patience and and understanding the 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 running game, like Mitchell was already uh, a savant at it near the end of last season, and then we saw this season like he he came out of the gate on fire, and then he just got hurt. So. You won't really have uh, any degradation in your sec in your number two uh, when it comes to the running game. So that will be kind of exciting to see because that, def- that whoever's playing, you know, if the running game is on point, the defense who they're playing against is not going to be able to just be like, okay, thank God Christian's out of the game. No, you get someone who's who's going to hit the hole just as hard as as he does, and I think that could be pretty cool. And and I. I imagine Kyle is salivating at, at that. You're not really ta- like as good as Jeff Wilson was. He didn't. He didn't necessarily have the explosiveness of both of these guys. He was more like your normal number two uh-huh. tough runner. You trusted him. Maybe the fumbles Kyle didn't like as much, uh, uh-huh. but uh, you know. But the, the, this is just a different a different element, and I think he's gonna he's gonna be pretty excited to see what they got. And Elijah, Elijah Mitchell is clearly better than Jeff Wilson. Yes.
1: And also, maybe we just get more uh, Elijah Mitchell running back one snaps, and we just put Christian at quarterback.
2: How about <laughs> exactly. that? There you go. That'll be funny. Give, give Jimmy some rest. Well, I mean, they could run like <laughs> wildcat stuff with Christian at the uh, at the quarterback. So, he, so let that was a great pass. Yeah. Exactly. Let's end with this because Jeff—that was the news of the week. Jeff Wilson did did get traded, and Shelvin uh, asked if we saw that Jeff Wilson supposedly uh, requested a trade, and uh, I think this comes from John Lynch's interview with Tim Kawakami. I believe I, I haven't heard the the podcast yet, but I know oh Tim Kawakami interviewed him, and it sounds like Jeff Wilson knew the deal, right? When 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 you trade for Christian ok, now I'm third team rather than mm-hmm. even second team. Uh, and you know, he he had pushed ahead of these younger players, like Ty Davis Price and Jordan Mason. But then, with Elijah Mitchell coming back, like you said, he's going to be you get less snaps contract coming up. He sort of saw the 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 writing on the wall there and it sounds like Lynch and Shanahan both really like him and we're like look mm-hmm. man we want you to deploy to you know we're not going to trade you to our, our 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 rival in the NFC but mm-hmm. you know we 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 do want you to be happy and we want you to have a a, a good opportunity and so they traded him to to the dolphins of course they they've got some friends over in that organization so that probably helped it but what did you what did you think of that whole thing
1: well I mean, it makes sense, you know, like i I said before that um it was clear to me that um you know with for those who aren't in the group or didn't see my post um with the Mitchell coming back, it has been clear that from the beginning, they had intel that um t d p and j p were sought after in the league and that there was no way they'd be able to sneak them through waivers and get them onto the practice squad. So that's why they've been RB three and four throughout and, you know, they, they cycled in Mac and um, I'm ready and whatnot, you know, into filling in for Mitchell. But then once Mitchell came back, he would slide into RB two with CMC being here. And that there just simply wasn't, if you look at the roster, they've consistently kept four. And we really, with all of our other myriad of injuries, there really isn't another position that you could shorten up to keep Wilson as insurance. So, plus I'm sure he wouldn't have been thrilled with the fact of just being on mothballs for the last you know, nine games of the season in a contract year. So, and not to say that they wouldn't have done that if they had the roster spot, if they felt that that was in their best interest, because teams always are going to do what's in their best interest. But if they can get a draft pick, which serves them, and they can put him in a position, you know, and with over there in Miami with Edmonds going. He scored today, right? Mhm. Oh yeah, he played well today. Um, and with Edmonds going out in that in the Chub trade, they had a spot for Wilson. So not only was he going there, but he was gonna have a role. Um, <clears throat> so you know that's a win-win for both situations. We get a pick, he gets to go in and go and you know put some more good tape out there in a contract year. So I mean that that's one of those rare and you know everybody wins situations so it, it was it was good um it, it, i'm glad, and i'm sure you know again one of the things people say about Kyle you know like him or not his players say that he is a straight shooter and that he's mm-hmm. not going to you know he's not going to BS you so i'm sure he was straight with Wilson that you know and Wilson is smart enough to see the writing on the wall but i'm sure Kyle was like you know look this is what it is you know, you know, there's just not, there are no reps yeah. here for you anymore. So yeah, I, I would imagine after that, you know, if you have that
2: conversation, yeah, I would request a trade too. And And my only worry here, understanding all that in the business of football is Christian and Elijah both kind of injury prone. Yeah. And if something happens to one of them, then who who slides up? Is it gonna be Mason? Is it gonna be uh Ty Davis Price? Is you know, cause Coleman's on the practice squad, and so there there's some maneuvering there and there's gonna be an opportunity, but also this is a veteran team who wants to go, mm-hmm. you know, far. Are you gonna to have to rely on a rookie who has no experience uh or or any reps really uh you know in big moments? That's that's my main worry about that.
1: Well and and, and and it's valid because in real time, we can see what the answer is. The answer is those dudes have not gotten reps when yeah. you know, before Christian got here, it was Jeff Wilson and Debo, you know, and then you know, Tevin getting reps. It yeah. was those guys did not, as we laymen thought you know, those guys would would be able to, you know step into the breach and take some of that weight, but clearly Kyle is not comfortable with that. So, it's it's a it's a legitimate concern as we get further on down the road that if we were to lose one of them, then d- is it just a fact that now Mitchell or CMC has to carry more of the load, is it going to be Tevin Campbell, is it going to be another veteran replacement level, minimum contract player, you know, a Marlon Mack type guy who we bring in to take those reps, or do we, are we going to be forced to, um, you know, rely on those two guys, but, which seems like from what I've seen, the little that we've seen of both of them, they're really different kind of running backs than Mitchell or yeah. CMC. They're, they're not, I don't know how much we'll ever get from it. Well, I won't say ever. That's a long time. And, but this- and the
2: the the explanation that came out of the draft was that Kyle's uh, the running backs that he's had have been smaller and a little bit brittle, and they wanted bigger backs who wouldn't get hurt uh, as easily. And so that's you know they they draft Price because he's, he's a bigger dude, but it's just I don't it doesn't. I don't know if the offense if suits him as well as it suits a guy who's a little bit more shifty. So, but it just
1: it seems
2: I don't know. My thought
1: was it it those guys make a lot more sense to me with Trey at cornerback. Um, you know, you can do a bit more inside zone run and whatnot when you know you, you like it or not. If you if you have Trey as an option to be your outside guy running that inside stuff kind of makes more sense to me. Um, but again, that, that is not an option anymore. So I, again, I don't know with Jimmy as quarterback, how much those, how much sense those guys make. Cause I don't know what they're going to give you in the run. I mean, in the pass game, um, if you lose a Mitchell or a CMC, you know, I think somebody like Tevin Coleman, he just makes sense because he you know he's a professional and yeah. he's not going you know he's not going to give you a bunch of big plays but he's not going to kill you he can pass protect in a he pinch can, he's not going to
2: make a mistake no, he's a rookie not, he, would make
1: right so i would think that if one of those two guys go down he's going to plug in and you know that's what it's going to be yeah. i think those guys will be beneficial on down the road, I don't, I don't know how much they're going to give us this season. All
2: right, well, uh, that is it for us here on this show. We will be back after the game on Sunday night against the Chargers. It's a big one. It's a good opportunity to showcase. I'm sure NBC is going to be all over Christian, showcasing him like crazy in this game. Uh, and uh, and yeah, so Rod and I will be back and and we'll recap that game after uh, Sunday night football. So uh, for Rod, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out.